Welcome to Rome Christian Center. We are so glad that you are with us here today. If you are local to the Rome, New York area, we would like to invite you to join us 10 a.m. and again at 6 p.m. on Sundays. We are located at 7985 Turin Road in Rome, New York. Let's join the service as we believe God has something in store for you today. My body may be a little shaky. My voice may be a little weak. My speech may be a little broken. If we can get past that, I believe I have a word for us today. Amen. So we're going to get into the word of God. We're going to see what he has to say. Praise God. Father, we give ourselves to you today, to your word. I pray that this word would be implanted in our spirits. It would change us, Lord. Shape us, mold us into your image. That we could be the people that you've called us to be. Strong in the Lord, in the power of his might. Living in the dark, with lights in the darkness. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I want to start this morning. Here we go. Praise the Lord. Romans. Praise God. Romans chapter Romans chapter 8, verse 14. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. The Bible says we're supposed to be being led. We as Christians are supposed to be being led by the Spirit. Not fulfilling what it says in 1 John. Not fulfilling the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life. And that's not easy to do. I, want, I, just, want, I just felt, look at this word flesh, just for, just for a few minutes. It usually, you know, when you, of, when you think of that word flesh, it usually brings about a, a negative connotation. For example, in John 6, it says, it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. In Galatians chapter 5, if you walk by the spirit, you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. In Romans 13, it says, make no provision for the flesh with regard to its lusts. So it has that kind of negative connotation that the flesh is bad, it's evil. But yet when you read the scriptures, you have to discern. You have to discern what it's saying. For example, when you read the, when you read the word dead, you have, to, you, have, you have to discern whether it means spiritually dead or physically dead. It is, Paul writes in Romans chapter 7 and verse 9, listen, This is what he writes. For I was alive once apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin became alive and I died. Well, he didn't die physically, obviously. He's talking about when he was a child. When I was a child, when I was just an infant, I was was apart from the law. I was alive. But until until we can understand right from wrong, unfortunately, we always choose the wrong because we have that seed in us. We have that sin nature seed in us. But when you're, when you're, when you're an infant and you, have, you don't know right from wrong, if you pass away, babies go to heaven because they're, they're innocent, they're pure. But as soon, as soon as you get old enough, you start to do the wrong thing because that seed is in you. You know, you don't have to teach a child to be disobedient. You have to teach them obedience. You have to teach a child to, li- to lie. Children will just lie. 
They're, they're sweet, they're, they're young, they're precious, but they'll lie. How many times have I said that? You know, a mother, a mother is in the kitchen doing something, and she has a crash. She goes in the other room, and one of the lamps got knocked over, and it's broken. And she says, what happened? And the kid looks at me and goes, I don't know. <laughs> well, yeah, he knows. He doesn't want to. It's, it, so they're sweet, but that's why you need to get them born again. Because I got that. But the Apostle Paul said, when I was young, when I was young, I was alive. I was spiritually alive. When the commandment came, sin became alive, and I died spiritually. So you have to discern whether it's talking about physical death or spiritual death. Same with this word, flesh. Now, this is me. I, I like to, I have, a, I have a volume, that I, a book that I use very frequently when I'm, when I'm preparing or when I'm studying. It's called Vine's Expository Dictionary of New Testament Words. And in there, it gives every Greek word in the New Testament and all the kind of little subtleties of how that word is used. And the word flesh in vines, it says it has 13 different usage. And the word flesh is used 118 times in the New Testament. Just in the New Testament. But, for example, let me give you some examples of just... I hope this is this 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 is me. I love doing this. Galatians two twenty, a familiar scripture. You ready? You can quote it with me. Paul says, "I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself up for me." So what is what is he talking about? the life that I now live in my physical body. So their flesh means Paul's physical body. But then in Matthew chapter 24, Jesus is teaching about the end times, talking about the tribulation. And it says, and it says unless those days have been cut short, no flesh would be saved. Well, it's not talking about his body. It's talking about all of mankind. No flesh should be saved. And, and again, in Matthew 26, I'm not going to do all 13, just do a few. In Matthew 26, Jesus goes to the Garden of Gethsemane. He's praying. He comes back. He finds him asleep. He finds the, the apostles sleeping. He says, couldn't you keep watching with me one hour? Keep watching and praying that you may not enter temptation. The spirit is willing. Oh, what? The flesh is weak. What's flesh? Flesh is that weak part of us that, that, does, that doesn't want to do what God wants to do. And here's, here's the thing that really helped me. Because when I read, when I read Romans 7 8, I had an opinion of what it said. But I, so I looked it up in Vines. In Romans chapter 7, Romans chapter 8, several places, the flesh is actually talking about, not just physical, but talking about the unregenerate nature, the old, the old man, the unregenerate nature, the sin nature. Listen, while we were in the Romans chapter 7, while we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were, allowed, which were aroused by the law were at work in the members of our body. So the sinful passions which were aroused, that sin nature in me was wanted to do the, the wrong thing. But here's the next chapter, verse 8, chapter 8, verse 8 and 9. But those who, it says this, those who are in the flesh 
cannot please God. Well, that could mean a number of things. Listen, but listen what else it says. However, you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. So if the spirit of God dwells in you, you have the Holy Spirit, you're not in the flesh, you don't have that old regenerate nature, it's gone. Old things have passed away, and all things become new. So he's talking about, and that's what Vines is saying that. It means the old unregenerate nature. So God gave us the Holy Spirit. He never, God never intended for us to have to make it on our own on this earth. When we're born again, he says, you need, he said, what did Jesus say? He said, I'm going to send you a helper. I don't know about you, but I needed a helper, big time. I mean, I, I needed a lot of help. Ask my wife. And when God came, he sent, me, he sent me a help of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit has two, not just two, but he has two principal objectives in our life. First of all, and to me most important, is character. The Holy Spirit is going to build the character of Christ in us. He's going to work in us. What it says in Romans chapter 8, we have been predestinated to be conformed to his image. And so the Holy Spirit goes to work in us to change thoughts and habits and words and actions. And so he's trying to make us like Jesus. And that's summed up in Galatians chapter 5, what we call the fruit of the Spirit. He's developing some fruit in us so we can be like Christ. The second thing, first is character, second is service. He's working in us to touch other people, to do what God tells us to do. And that's found, uh, part of that is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, when the, the gifts of the Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is in us. We have to be, we have to do what the Spirit tells us to do. But we, but we can still get in the flesh even after we're born again. By doing things that we decide is right, that we figure we should do, and not necessarily what God wants us to do. Let me give you an example. In 2007, we bought this building in 2006. In 2007, through a prophetic word and through prayer, the Lord said, have a tent. Remember how many people were here for the tent meeting? We still got them. We, so we, we rented a tent, this great big tent, all these chairs, brought a sound system out, run electricity out there, put a rug down, and we had services five nights a week for a month. Brought in guest speakers, had, we went Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Did that for a month. When it was all over, and, and God provided, I forget what it cost us, it cost like $13,000 to do all that. And that was a huge amount of money for us back then. And, uh, and God provided. We actually came out a couple thousand dollars ahead, put them in the bank. Some people said, you're going to have a tent next year? Well, let's, let's, let's have a tent next year. Why not? I thought, no, we'll have one if God says, but not if God doesn't say. Now, if we could do it in the flesh, we could do it because it was a good thing. It worked last year. We'll do it again. But if we did it in the second time it, without, without the direction from God, although it's not an evil thing in and of itself, it's the flesh because we're doing it not, not by the Spirit. You understand what I'm saying? So that's what God wants. God wants us to be in the Spirit, not operating in the flesh, but doing what he wants us to do, even if it sounds good. In Ephesians chapter 6, in verse 18, it says, With all manner of prayer, pray at all times in the Spirit. And I want to look at, I want to look at those words, 
in the spirit. When people that are full gospel like us, Pentecostals, Charismatics, call us what you will. When we read that scripture, we probably say that refers to praying in tongues. But it could also mean praying in and by the spirit. When it says pray, pray at all times in the spirit. In other words, pray spirit-led prayers. It could mean that also. Praying in the spirit. Or it could also mean praying when I'm in the spirit. Praying when I'm in fellowship with the spirit. Communing with him. Now, before anyone thinks I'm saying we don't have the spirit when we're born again, I know we do. The Bible says, but he who joins himself to the Lord is one spirit with him. And it says, it says a few verses later in 1 Corinthians 6, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who's in you? So when we're born again, we have the spirit of God in us. But although he, the, the spirit of God is in me and I'm in him, but I'm not always... I don't know how to explain. I'm not always in the spirit, so to speak. When I was in, when I was in the Air Force, I was in the Air Force for a little over 12 years. In those 12 years, I was never out of the Air Force. I could be on vacation. I could be grocery shopping. I'm still in the Air Force. So I was always in the Air Force, but I wasn't in the Air Force in the sense that I'm in uniform, I'm on a military installation doing military things, military duties. Then when I do that, that's when I'm in, I'm in the Air Force. But I'm, all, I'm still, so the Spirit of God is in us. He's always in us. But we're not always in the Spirit. We're not always tuning into Him. We're not always communing with Him. You know, a lot of times we, we just do what we need to do. And it's important. God wants us, from time to time, God wants us to be in the Spirit. That's why it's so important to understand what it means to wait upon the Lord. And that's what I just want to kind of focus in on waiting upon the Lord. Because waiting upon the Lord can get us in the Spirit. When the, wor- when the world and all its influences can be put aside, when my soul and all its emotions and distractions can be quieted and stilled so I can hear God's voice and God's direction. Listen, Psalm 130. I wait for the Lord. My soul does wait, and in his word do I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than the watchman for the morning. Yes, more than the watchman for the morning. Psalm 62. My soul waits in silence for God only. From him is my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation, my stronghold. I shall not be greatly shaken. I'm telling you the secret to God's presence and God's power in our lives. It's simple. Simple, but it's not easy. It's waiting on God. Psalm 140 says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. When you wait for the Lord, his presence will come. And that's when you know he's hearing you. That's when you know you're praying in the will of God. And it says in 1 John we pray in the will of God, we know that he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, we know that we have the petitions we've required of him. When we wait on the Lord, something happens in the spirit realm. Your heart becomes, our hearts become uh, one, more one, one, one with him. 
more aware of his presence. You begin to take on his character, his thoughts. You, you find yourself forgiving people, loving your enemies. The peace of God comes. The contentment. It's just, a, just knowing that God loves you and everything's going to be all right. One of the hardest things for us to do as people, one of the hardest things for me to do is just to wait. Our minds, my mind, is going all the time. My wife says, sometimes I, I have trouble sleeping. My wife says, your mind going? I say, yeah, my mind is going. Always thinking of something that has to be done. I have a hard time quieting myself. I'm working on it. I've been working on it. You know, there's, there's so much to do and so little time to do it. We don't, we don't like to wait. Waiting, waiting seems to many of us seems like a waste of time. But the enemy knows that the benefits of waiting on the Lord are tremendous. He does everything to keep us busy, to keep us doing everything else, even good things, to keep us from spending time with God. I've said it before. I'll say it again and again. Time spent with God is never time wasted. And we live in such a, we live in such a now world. Most everything is readily available at our fingertips. Credit cards will get you anything. ATMs, fast food, computers, cell phones, the internet, quick oil changes, speedy deliveries. Everything has to come fast right away. I tell my grandkids, I say things to my grandkids. I, my grandkids cannot imagine a world without cell phones. Being out of touch. I remember there was a time in my life, and I'm ancient, so you have to understand. There was a time in my life I'm, I remember if you wanted to change the channel on the TV, you didn't press the remote. You get up and you turn the dial. And, and we had 12 channels and UHF. And you had to get up and turn it. You had channel 6, channel 7, and you had rabbit ears. And you, come on. I remember my, my, wife's, my wife's brother worked for... Texas Instruments or something. And I remember one time he said to us, he said, hey, they got this new thing coming out. It's called a, I forget what it's, it's a box. You put it on your TV and you press buttons and it changes the channel. I said, well, what about the dial? You don't, you don't turn the dial. What do you mean you don't turn the dial? And you can, and listen, and you're going to get 30 channels. 30 channels. That's unheard of. I remember there was a time when you walked out of the house, you were, you were in communication. You couldn't, no one could get a hold of you. If you're driving to work, driving to the grocery store, that's it. You're out, you're out of contact until, some, until you get near a phone. That's the way it was. But today, we, we have, we're, we're so consumed. I mean, there's people, I won't mention any names, but there's a, people, people they, their, their, their cell phone is like an umbilical cord hooked onto them. You can, send them a, you can send them a text or a message any time of the day, and within 30 seconds they respond, bang. Every, every, everyone is, everything happens so fast. Everything has to be now, now, now. I want God's presence in my life. I believe you do too. I think we all want God's presence in our life. How are we going to get it? How are we going to get his power? How are we going to get his peace? All we're going to get is wisdom. This is how we get it. 
by waiting on him, by giving him that first place in our lives. You know, other cultures are not like ours, or maybe different now. Back in the mid-70s, we went to Thailand. The military sent me to Thailand for a year. And my, wife's, my wife came over as a tour. She couldn't come as, she couldn't accompany me on the tour, but she came as a, as a tourist with a visa. And she said, the first week I was there, I could feel myself just winding down. The whole pace of life was so much, they weren't lazy, just a whole different pace of life than here. Here it's run, run, run. There it's if it gets done today, fine. If not, we'll do it tomorrow. It, it, it's just a whole different pace of life. We need to, sometimes we need to just slow down, like they say, and smell the roses. Psalm 46 is a familiar scripture. It says, be still and know that I'm God. Psalm 37 says, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Waiting empties ourselves of us and positions us Receive from God. Waiting on God acknowledges Him as our source, acknowledges our dependence upon Him, <clears throat> acknowledges that we need help, and we're looking to Him for that help. Psalm 40 says, I waited patiently for the Lord, and He inclined to me and heard my cry. We wait for His presence, and then we wait in His presence. I know that I'm in his presence when I become more aware of him than I am of me. The word wait means just what it says. It means to wait. It's like when you go to the doctor's office. You have an appointment. You get there on time, but you don't just walk in. You wait. We need to wait for God to show up. What do I do when I'm waiting? Sometimes nothing. Sometimes I pray quietly in the spirit. Sometimes I put on some worship, very quiet worship music. I'm just saying, God, here I am. I'm waiting for you to come to me and visit me. Zechariah chapter 2, verse 13. Be silent all flesh before the Lord. It's really, to me, it's really the only way to touch God. And then when we hear from him, there's a peace, there's a contentment, there's a, a real satisfaction knowing that I've heard something, I've heard from God, I know he's going to watch over his word to perform it. He's going to do in me what he said he would do. Psalm 27, so I would have despaired unless I had believed I'd see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. yes. Wait for the Lord. It takes time. It takes persistence. It takes discipline. But once you discover the benefits, you'll be hooked. They that wait upon the Lord, it says in Isaiah, they that wait upon the Lord renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings as eagles. They'll run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not faint. God, I need your strength. So I'm waiting on you to come and give it to me so I can do what you want me to do. In Isaiah chapter 30, it says, For thus, for thus the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, has said, In repentance and rest you will be saved. In quietness and trust is your strength. But then unfortunately it says, 
about the children of Israel, but you were not willing. This is how we get strength. This is how God wants to touch us. But unfortunately, they were not willing. But if we are, he will. Waiting gives God his rightful place in our life. In Hebrews chapter 7, it says, Melchizedek blessed Abraham. It says the lesser is blessed by the greater. Waiting on God gives him the preeminence. Involves our will. If we spend time with him, he'll come and touch us and give us everything we need. I wait for the Lord, the Bible says. My soul does wait. In his word do I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than the watchman for the morning. Indeed, more than the watchman for the morning. So I just want to encourage us, every one of us. It doesn't have to be for hours. It can be 15 or 20 minutes. But just put yourself in that position. Say, God, here I am. I'm waiting on you. I'm waiting for you to give me direction. I'm waiting for you to give me peace, to come into my life and have your way. I'm waiting for you, Lord. I thank you that you'll visit me in Jesus' name. Father, I pray for a hunger to arise in every one of us, a hunger for more of you, God, a hunger to be closer to you. I pray that every one of us would make that commitment and say, I'm going to do that. I'm going to spend more time with you. I'm going to draw closer to you and know you in a way I've never known you before. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Praise God. Thank you so much for being with us today. Our prayer is that your life be enriched through the power of God's word and that you be filled with his love and strength as you daily serve him. To learn more about our service times and our ministry and how it is that you can partner with us, visit us online today at romechristiancenter.com.